Good morning, United Church of Marco Island. What a joy it is to be with all of you today. Uh, though distant, we are together once more. I continue my series of sermons this morning on the eight signs and wonders in John's Gospel. And today we turn to the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. This is from John chapter 11. And our story today is of some considerable length, uh, but it is a wonderful story, so I'm going to read all of it for you. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going out to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also went weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. 
Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who have opened the eyes of the blind man had kept that man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. If you're anything like me, one of the oddities that you've been experiencing during this stay-at-home order has been getting behind the wheel of your car. You're not used to driving. I know that in our house, we have two cars and our minivan, we did not drive it for nine straight days. And as fate would have it, when I started it back up, our battery had died, which means that the clock inside the minivan had died along with it, and I had to reset the clock after replacing the battery. Well, as I flipped through the manual and small print in the glove compartment as to how to do this resetting of the clock, my ministerial patience was shortly tried. But I tell you, it isn't the clock in my minivan that is the hardest for me to set. Rather, it's another clock that I have that is hard for me to set. And that clock is simply the clock, the timing that I have for God to answer any one of my prayers. You know that clock. That clock that cries out to God, God, I have a prayer request. I have something I want of you. I have something that needs to be brought to your attention. And I want you to do about something about it, God, right away. And so God is forced from me to respond to my clock. Some joke that this is what is called a Burger King prayer. God, I want it my way right away. I have trouble adjusting that clock. I have trouble offering up my clock to God so that God can do things on God's timing. If you're anything like me and struggle with that clock, 
you know, that climbing that you often want to force God into, then you're a lot like humanity throughout the centuries. And frankly, as we walk into our scripture passage today, you are a lot like Mary and Martha in the story of Jesus raising Lazarus. Walk back with me into that story. Uh, once upon a time, we're told that Lazarus, who was uh, very good friends uh, with Jesus, had fallen ill and sick and had gotten sick to the point of dying. And Mary and Martha, who were a couple of miles away from Jesus, sent word for Jesus to come and to heal their brother. Surely Jesus, who had uh, very warm feelings toward Mary and Martha and Lazarus, had stayed at their home on many occasions in his ministry previous to this particular occasion, uh, would come right away and would uh, save Lazarus from having to die. You might imagine Mary and Martha um, in their home at night just looking out into the distance, waiting for Jesus to arrive back in Bethany to do something for Lazarus, uh, the brother whom they loved so much. For of course Jesus would come according to their clock. You know, that clock, right? Wrong. As faith would have it, Though having received word of Lazarus being ill to the point of death, Jesus did not show up in accordance with Mary and Martha's timing. Jesus did not show up in accordance with that clock. And it was here at this moment in their lives that Mary and Martha had to deal with what one scholar referred to as the strange tardiness of Jesus. We continue forth in the story, and part of what we learn is Lazarus has passed away. Lazarus was buried and was put in the tomb. And Mary and Martha were left to wonder, were left to wrestle, were left to reconcile why it was that Jesus, their beloved Jesus, did not come sooner in accordance with their clock, you know, that clock, in order to do something about their brother Lazarus, who they loved and that surely Jesus loved. I want to press pause at this moment in the story to bring this story a little further into your living room. Have you ever been in Mary and Martha's shoes at this moment in Scripture? Have you ever cried out to God, God, why are you not answering my prayer in accordance to my clock? You know, that clock. I mean, God, why won't this virus end right now? God, why won't this stay-at-home order be lifted right now? God, why can't this circumstance change right now? God, why can't this person I love stop suffering right now? God, why won't this door open right now? God, why won't this situation change right now? God, why won't this person change right now? God, why will you not answer my prayer in accordance to my timing? You ever been there? Ever been in Mary and Martha's shoes at this moment in their life, wondering and wrestling with God about the strange tardiness 
of God's answer to your prayers? You ever been there? If so, I want you to hear the words of encouragement that Mary and Martha would offer us in and through this text. Simply put, the encouragement that Mary and Martha would go on to offer all of us today, I think, would be this. Hand God that clock. Hand God that clock. For what happens in this story is that God's timing is so much better than their own. You know, it's interesting that when Mary and Martha both threw themselves at the feet of Jesus and uh, begged him uh, to have come sooner, part of what Mary and Martha say to Jesus is the same phrase. They say to Jesus, Lord, if only, Lord, if only you had gotten here sooner, our brother Lazarus would not have died. Lord, if only. But part of what Mary and, Lazarus, Mary and Martha learned in this text is that God's plans in and through Jesus are so much better than their if-onlys. What if in all of our struggle to have our prayer answered in accordance to our timing, in accordance to that clock, that God may be wanting to answer our prayer, yes, a little bit later down the line, in a way that is even better than we have even asked or imagined. For that is, of course, what happens in the case of Mary and Martha. Jesus shows up and Lazarus has been in the tomb for four straight days. In fact, the tomb has got an odor. Lazarus has been dead so long. And Lazarus and Mary and Martha have this conversation. And Jesus is part of this conversation. And Jesus says back to Mary and Martha, watch what I will do. And Jesus brought Lazarus, of course, back to life. And all who were present to witness the miracle realized that Jesus in that moment was, in fact, the Messiah. By raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus' response to Mary and Martha's initial prayer was even better than the one that Mary and Martha lifted up. I mean, humor me for a moment. Who do you think said it first? Mary or Martha? I imagine after witnessing this glorious miracle and Lazarus raising for the dead, one of those two women looked to either one and said, you know what? God's timing, God's answer to prayer is always better than our if-onlys. In recent days, many of us have been wondering, what is the purpose of this virus? What is the purpose of all that we are going through and struggling with? And I would answer that with the four most important words that a minister can ever share back with the congregation. I do not know. I don't know, but I do have a feeling or a conviction that one day, even though our immediate prayers have not been answered now, we will see from God a glimpse of what God wants to do in and through this situation and with our world that might even be better 
than the prayers that we've been lifting up of late? What if God's answers to our prayers are always better than our immediate if-onlys? I mean, I bet you could look back on your life and tell stories about times where you prayed for something to happen right away or in accordance with a certain version of events that you wanted uh, to occur uh, and line up. And what happened was that your prayer was not answered, but over time you began to see that your prayer was eventually answered by God. And it wasn't just answered by God, it was answered by God in a way that was even better than you initially asked for it. When it comes to this concept of uh, God's answers and our prayers always being better than our if-onlys, I love to tell the story of Amy Carmichael. It's a story that uh, Philip Yancey shares in a book on prayer. And Amy Carmichael grew up in church and she remembered uh, going to Sunday school as a young girl in first and second grade. And she would always pray in Sunday school that God would turn her eyes blue. You see, she had brown eyes, and many of her friends in the class had blue eyes. And Amy really wanted to have blue eyes, and so that was her prayer Sunday after Sunday. God, please turn my eyes blue. Well, as she began to get to be a teenager and learn about anatomy and DNA and those kinds of things, she realized that her eye color was not going to change over the course of her life. She finished and graduated high school, she graduated college, and she decided to do a year of missionary work before uh, going into the workforce uh, full-time. And the missionary organization that she worked with, Christian organization, uh, sent her over to a remote village in India to be in a uh, relationship with children in an orphanage and with families over there for an entire year. And Amy arrived over in that place, and she began to be in ministry with those children and was really getting through with them and was really uh, bonding quite nicely with the children and the families and uh, in her teaching and in her service. And uh, one night at dinner, the mothers of many of these children brought her together, and they said, you know, Amy, you're the best missionary that they've sent us. And Amy said, really? And the mother said, yes, two young women came the previous two years. But the children never connected with those young women. And, and Amy said, well, why was that? And the mother said, well, believe it or not, they had blue eyes. And our children thought that they were so foreign and almost looking like ghosts that they were very standoffish to those other young women. But you, Amy, your eyes are just brown enough to the point at which our children could connect. And Amy remembers after that dinner conversation, simply saying to herself, you know what? God's way of answering my prayer was so much better than my if-onlys. If only God, you would turn my eyes blue. But a little while later, realized that God's plans for her were even better than what she lifted up year after year as a child in Sunday school. For those of you who are on Marco Island still, you know that this week has been a little eerie feeling because one of the news stories that we haven't been following as much, uh, given what has gone on with the virus, has been the fires in Cuba. 
If you are not present here on Marco, part of what we've been experiencing this week has been a smoky haze uh, due to uh, fires in Cuba and a strong northerly uh, wind blowing up from Cuba. Uh, this entire week has been rather easy for all of us on Marco. And so it's kind of put us in a coronavirus twilight zone, if you will, navigating this smoky haze. And then uh, thinking about this smoky haze, I was reminded of a time some years ago, I think about two years ago, when we were dealing with a lot of wildfires uh, in and around the area of 951 in Naples. And there was smoke and a haze uh, for many weeks then, too. And uh, Week News was doing a segment uh, where they were trying to help people whose lives had been impacted by this smoke and haze. And uh, they were trying to provide some encouragement to those people whose homes and lives have been devastated. And so Week News uh, found a city out in Colorado that had dealt with some terrible wildfires uh, 10 years previous and asked uh, those residents who had finally gotten their lives back together to give some support and encouragement to those who were dealing with this uh, uh, that, was, that was just so fresh and present. And Week News uh, videoed in these folks from Colorado, and uh, one gentleman from Colorado said, you know what, right now, I imagine what you're dealing with is pretty tough and very, very hard. And it was hard for us too. But in hindsight, 10 years from the fires that all destroyed our homes in Colorado, part of what I can now look out my window and see is that our town has come back, yes, but come back even better. Our people were once hurt, yes, but have come back even stronger. Our attitude was once defeated, yes, but our attitude now is far more hopeful in preparation for the next challenge. And then he shared back with those folks in Naples whose homes have been devastated, trust that one day whatever happens to you might be even better than what you want to happen right in this specific moment. What if God's plans for our lives are even better than our cries to have prayers answered immediately? Even better than our God, if onlys? If you tuned into this sermon this morning with a lot of prayers that you wanted answered, you know, yesterday, with a lot of if-onlys, if you tuned in this morning saying, God, why is the fire burning so much right at this moment, moment stop? God, why won't you do something about this right now? God, why can't this circumstance change right now? God, why won't this situation come to be right now? This second, if you have brought to God your clock today, then allow God to receive that clock. And instead, with open hands, trust in a God whose timing is always better. For really and truly, God's timing is better than ours. If you don't believe me, then just ask Mary and Martha, and they'll tell you what happened eventually. They remember those powerful words. Lazarus, 